You are listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. You can find us at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening. Well done. Now, last week's message is available on podcast, as this one will be as well, hopefully. And we talked about waking up last week. The Jerry Maguire, have many of you seen Jerry Maguire? There, actually, I was quite shocked how many people hadn't. But there's a scene where the, one of the main characters gets knocked out in a play in American football, and the physio or the medic is, as he's unconscious, lying on the ground. And the medic goes, blink, baby, blink. That was a terrible clap. Blink, baby, blink. And he wakes up. I know. Did you like that, Caleb? Caleb, you're doing it better than I am. And you're three. <laughs> So we've all been taken out by this pandemic. 15 months, our lives pretty much stopped or changed. And I went through the list of the different effects and the different things that some of us have experienced. When somebody wakes up from consciousness, they ask them who they are, where they are, and they'll tend to then ask to define a relationship. Like, do you remember who I am to you? Um, And it's always important to reorientate ourselves as to uh, where we actually are. So our vision statement and mission statement are all on the walls. Remind yourselves, get yourselves enculturated again. And we also, I also mentioned the different prophetic senses that we had for the year. A year to ready and release our hallelujah and a year of building within and without. And I reminded you that you are a child of God and we're gonna keep doing that hopefully for the rest of my days. Okay, so today we're starting a new message series and we're gonna look at Psalm 23. The minute I say Psalm 23 or start to say the Lord is my shepherd, what happens? Do you go into the Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want? Or do you imagine the, the picture of Jesus and it looks like the tweet, 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 and he's walking along gently and there's the glow and his hair's flowing and there's a little lamb by his feet? Or what do you think? Maybe you think of a person that connects you to someone who quoted that at you all the time, or your granny had it up on her wall, or where does it take you? Piece of art your granny had. Anybody else? Right, okay. So it's, it's something that's personal for you. Anybody else? Go for it, Anna. Okay, okay. So get that's a personal connection for you. We'll leave that one there. Um, so what... Part, part of what I want to do as we're looking through this message series, and Andrew's going to take weeks three and four, yes, we're that organized, I know, aren't I growing? Um, we're going to go through this, and if you've ever seen an old painting be restored, have you ever watched somebody restore it? They normally have a cotton bud, and I'm thinking, I don't know that I'd have the patience for that. But they literally take a solution, whatever it is, and they just start peeling back the layers that the years have added onto it. And what I want to suggest is that Psalm 23 is so familiar, uh, I don't know that we actually see it as it actually is. So we're going to take it apart in eight sections, and hopefully, and I really have faith that the Spirit wants to give us some revelation and show us some things that we're missing about it that'll have ultimately a, a big impact on our lives. It's often the familiar things that hold the most wonders in life. And it's often familiarity that obscures them. The people that are beside us, the houses that we're in, the gardens that we wander around in, the cars that we drive, 
the relationships that we have, the conversations that we have are often so familiar to us that we miss them. And let's stay with the art analogy. It's often when you take an old painting and put it into a new frame that you see it with new eyes. Isn't it? The things that are on your wall for years and the frame gets mangled as well and it just becomes another bit of really the furniture of what kind of is like a soundtrack to your life. The minute that you take it off the wall, take it out of its frame, put a new frame on it, you can see it in a new way. What the Spirit wants to do is to frame some things and to reframe others because the world wants to put a frame right bang onto your situations and your circumstances and hang it on the the hallways of your mind and the hallways of your life. How you frame something and where you hang it profoundly affects how you view it and the Spirit of God is a master framer. If I was to take, I say, I mean, I went to Tesco's during the week and I think I bought a couple of loaves or something like that, not two fishes as well. Oh, see the biblical reference? Bought a loaf, you know the way they give you the receipt and you're thinking that's not really important. If I took that receipt, I then put it into a triple mounted frame. The mount was really nice and big and it was maybe actually a wee bit of spacing between it and this lovely black line frame and hung it on my wall. What would you think? My head was cut, thanks, Tessie. You think, oh, there he goes again doing something daft. Well, for those of you who had studied art in any shape or form would wonder, why has that individual put that on the wall? What is the significance of that moment? What's the date on that? What's the time? Who served him? How much was it? Is he trying to remember how things used to cost? Was it before time when bread went through the roof in terms of price? There's so many things. No, we're not. And don't worry about it. There are so many things that we throw away that the Spirit wants to put into a frame for us so that we can actually see the significance of the moments that we want to throw away. The enemy is also present in this process. And the enemy knows the power of framing moments too. And unfortunately, you and I are more accustomed to framing moments that are negative and dark than we are to framing the ones that are light and full of life. What hangs on the walls of your life, what's present there, affects your thinking and how you view everything. And Jesus said that he came in 1 John 3, 8, that he came, he appeared for this purpose, and his purpose was to destroy the works of the devil. So what he wants to do is to walk up and go, let's take this one down. Let's take this one down. Let's oh, you're missing that, let's frame that and put that one up. How about we move that one over to here because it's going to get better light there. What about if we move this bit of furniture in front of that one and then the colors are really going to pop on up? Home improvement, except this time the home's you. So let's, in this process, continue to let him frame the moments of our lives and reframe what the enemy has negatively framed and hung there. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, 2. I'm going to try and pop it into, I think, every message series that I ever do. Transformation happens no other way. How you think defines you, and the battle is always raging for your thinking how you will perceive the circumstances of your life. God wants to be the stronghold of your thinking 
and the enemy wants to establish strongholds in your thinking. If you were called by God to be at home with your children, and, what, and that's what he had ordained for your life, but all of your life you'd been told that you need to get a job and you need to earn a certain amount of money. The voices that were surrounding you were telling you that, you're, that you had to go and do that. You know, you're so much more potential, you should do those things. But deep inside you have this, this deep down sense of that's what you're called to do. If you're living, listening to the voices that are trying to define you other than what God said, you're gonna be disappointed, frustrated, constantly striving, constantly hitting doors that aren't opening for you. Now imagine that you make agreement with what God's called you to do. And you're present in the circumstances that he's called you to. And all of a sudden, you're able to step into the reality of what he has called you to do. And in that moment, you can accept and embrace the circumstances as they actually are. Your thinking defines you. It frames moments and causes you to reject or to accept the circumstances of your life. I've been reading a book by Dallas Willard over lockdown and rereading it now called The Life Without Lack, and he focuses on the 23rd Psalm. And I'm going to refer to different things that he says as we go throughout uh, this message series. Just listen to this. Your primary contact with God is through your mind. And whatever you do with your mind is then most imp the most important choice that you have to make. Wherever your mind goes, the rest of your life goes with it. What we place our minds on brings that reality into our lives. If we place our minds on God, the reality of God comes into our lives. And that's why there's got to be preachers and teachers. Because until our minds are informed by the right view of God, we cannot put our minds on God in the right way. Let's try this for a minute. Can you all close your eyes? God is with you all the time, right? And often we think about that in terms of he's with us after we leave the moment that we're in. So he's right here right now. So let that settle in. He's a person. He knows everything and he knows you. But not only does he know you, he adores you. And he's right here. What's he doing? What does he look like? Where's his eyes? Is he looking at you? Is he pointing to someone else? What's his physical gestures? What does it feel like that he's around you? Is it surprising to you? Is he smiling and warm or is he just giving you a big hug and saying it's going to be all right? Okay, you can open up your eyes now. Does that do anything for you? Do you connect with him at all? Can you see his face a wee bit more clearly? Are you just a bit more conscious of him? The reality is that that's the way it is all the time, and that's not really that profound a moment, if I'm sensing right. But there are moments where we go, oh my goodness, he is actually here. And yet that's how it is all the time. That's why the whole of Scripture is constantly telling us to come back, come back to what reality actually is. Because reality is that he is right here, right now. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to leave us physically, and he's never going to emotionally abandon us either. Never. He's not offended with us. We can't say anything to offend him. He's present. 
So what we focus our minds on is what's going to direct our lives. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man or woman thinks in their heart, so they are. When your thinking includes always the constant presence of God, you bring the reality of his constant presence in your life when you're ordering your Chinese. Filling your car up with, I was thinking you could, this is just the life that I'm describing that I live. When you're ordering your Chinese, filling your car up with petrol, folding the tumble drain, yes, I'm getting better maybe slightly, mowing the lawns, making the dinner, doing your work, talking to your friends, driving your car, painting your pictures, folding other things, trying to do your administration. He is right there all the time. All we need to do is acknowledge him and have our mind set on him. And we find that he starts to interrupt those moments much more than it seemed like he did when we weren't conscious of him. So let's make a start. Now we're going to just, this week we're looking at whose shepherd is he anyway? And I'm not going to talk about this for long. I wanted to spend a little bit of time on the introduction to kind of get us into this message series. But I'm going to read to you the 23rd Psalm two times. One time from the um, Northern Ireland version and the second from the Amplified version. And what I want to demonstrate with that is the NIV is very familiar probably to most of us. Maybe the Amplified not so much, but it amplifies it a little bit more, funny enough. And it gives us that little bit more as to what's going on. So you can close your eyes, keep them open, whatever you want to do to be able to, to hear this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, to guide, and to shield me. I shall not want. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still and quiet waters. He refreshes and restores my soul as in my life. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the sunless valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod to protect and your staff to guide, they comfort and console me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed and refreshed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell forever throughout all my days in the house and in the presence of the Lord. Over the next eight weeks, we're going to attempt to and hopefully successfully begin to remove the layers that have, have obscured the beauty and the promise and the principles of what King David knew about the same Lord that we know. The first verse says, the Lord is my shepherd. So what does it mean? 
What does it mean to you? If I say to you, the Lord is, or you say the Lord is my shepherd, what does it mean? Crowd participation moment. The Lord's my shepherd, Andre. He's mine. Anybody else? The Lord's my shepherd. He's good. He's good. He's in charge. Okay. Go for it. He guides me. The Lord's my shepherd kind of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? And I would suggest probably that most people, when you say the Lord's my shepherd, it's familiar to them. Becomes a bit like muscle memory. Really, really easy to say, exceptionally costly to live. The Lord is not a shepherd. He is the shepherd. And the question is always, is he your shepherd? And you don't want to answer it out of pressure or condemnation. I'm not trying to manipulate you either. And I think probably for the majority here, he is your shepherd. But you want to be able to say, no, no, he's my shepherd. Having a shepherd means that you're not the leader of your own life. Which at some moments I love that. It brings me comfort and security. At other moments I find it very, very frustrating. Anybody else? And having a shepherd means that you accept that you are not the shepherd of your own life and also that you're a sheep. And maybe that's not something that many of us want to accept either. But for there to be a shepherd, there has to be sheep. Having a shepherd means that you're cared for, provided for, protected, and you are absolutely safe. And if you have a shepherd, your role is not to be the shepherd, it's submit to and follow the shepherd. And this beautiful psalm communicates all of the wondrous results of having yielded yourself to his leadership. And like I was talking earlier about the, the shepherd in the, the picture where Jesus just casually flows along and his hair just droves past, don't romanticize this. Don't imagine yourself gently sipping a Prosecco in the Galgorm and you know that beautiful music, the bong and the symphony of strings just playing beautifully around you. No, it's probably cold and hard and it's difficult and at times there's not a lot of water and you're going over craggy land and you've just wrecked yourself and he's leading you somewhere that you don't want to go. That's maybe more what actually it means to have the Lord as your shepherd. It's messy work, and forgive me, there's a lot of crap. Isn't there? Sometimes he'll lead you over rough and dangerous terrain, and you'll not like the way that he's leading you. But if you keep going, ultimately you'll enjoy the result of that dangerous journey and also the fruit of being in the destination that he was leading you to. The Lord is my shepherd. It means that he is present. It's not that he was my shepherd, nor that he will be my shepherd. It's that he is my shepherd. Right now, today, this statement of fact has implications and should cause you to be expectant. If he is your shepherd, then you're going somewhere. If you're thirsty, well, you read that, Sam, there's some sort of a disconnect because... He's the one that's going to satisfy you with everything that you need. If you need some downtime, well, you need to go to your shepherd because he's the one that, and I was hearing a a rabbi talk about this passage. The lying down doesn't really uh, encapsulate what David's trying to say. Literally, it means to sprawl. The sheep just kind of 
You know when you see a dog really relaxed, our bunny does it, and they just kind of throw their legs in the air and lie like that with their head to the side. That's what it looks like when he's leading you at times. He's my shepherd. What we place our minds on, as Dallas Willard said, brings that reality into our lives. He's my shepherd. Because as you and I think in our hearts, so we are. Can I get the the worship guys up? I'm going to tell you the story. Now, not the full story. Um, But I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story that was told about a little boy who'd lost his parents and he went to live with his grandfather in the Scottish Highlands. And his grandfather was both a Christian and also a shepherd. The little boy didn't know very much about how to read, so the grandfather decided that around the fire late at night he would, well, probably not that late because it was a small boy and he'd need to go to bed early. But at nighttime he would uh, teach him how to, to read and how to remember things. So he began to teach him, the Lord is my shepherd, and the Lord is my shepherd. So he used the boy's hand and said, okay, let's use your hand. So as he went through, he said, the Lord is my shepherd, okay? So follow me on this, okay? You'll feel really silly, but the, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, when he was doing that, the grandfather noticed that the boy went, the Lord is my shepherd, Would you mind doing that with me? The Lord is my shepherd. What does it feel like? Is it nice? Does it feel comforting in any shape or form? Do you notice how, I notice actually, maybe this is prophetic, how tightly I am holding on to my finger that almost the blood can't get through. (laughs) The little boy then went through some difficult circumstances and he then used that and it was one of the things that ultimately connected him to the knowledge of the shepherd that was with him. The Lord is my shepherd. I would encourage you to use that as much as you possibly can. Maybe it doesn't connect for you and that's fine. But whatever you need to do to remind yourself that the Lord is my shepherd, do it. Because it doesn't matter if it's somebody else's. And you're not going to be able to argue with people to try and get them to embrace them as their shepherd. But what you can do is live it out that he is yours. The Lord is my shepherd. How much is he yours? Can I get you to stand with me? So as we did last week, and we'll maybe do this for the next few weeks, we're not going to call you to respond and come forwards at the front just yet, although there is enough space. But what I do want you to do is um, maybe take a step forward or make some sort of physical reaction if you do want to respond to these questions. So I'm going to ask you these, and then we're going to worship for a song, and then I'll lead us in response. So the first question I have for you is, what moments in your life does the shepherd want to reframe? And then secondly, do you need to embrace either for the first time or again that he is your shepherd? And then finally, do you need to embrace the present leadership, the today leadership, the in this moment leadership of the shepherd spirit of God? If you can answer yes to any of those questions, then please just take a step forward.
You have been listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. Remember to check us out at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk and have a great week.